This morning we are back in our study of the book of Revelation. Today we are at the 10th chapter. We have uh, 12 more chapters to go. If I say to you, the end is near. If I stand here this morning uh, in this pulpit, if I stand here this morning with my copy of God's Word, with my Bible in hand, and if I say to you this morning, on the authority of God's Word, the end is near, I wonder what it is that you hear. Now, I wonder when I say that, do you hear that? Do some of you hear that as maybe bad news? Uh, the end of the world as we know it draws near. The end of time as, as we like it uh, is wrapping up. And I have things to do yet. And I have things that I would like to see. And I'm not done yet. And maybe when you hear that, to you it is bad news. Or maybe you hear it. And when you hear it, it is good news. When you hear it, it is a relief to you. It is a sense of joy to you. Very soon there is to be no more struggle. Very soon there's to be no more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. And so when you hear that, uh, you are glad to hear that. And when you hear that, you rejoice to hear that. I wonder how many of us hear that with urgency. When you hear that, I wonder how many of us hear that with a sense of expectation. And I wonder if any, upon hearing that, won't top their car off with gas or won't buy any green bananas at the store, or won't make any plans for supper tonight. Now, let's not go that far. I wonder how many of us hear that with a sense of urgency, or, or don't most of us actually say, sure, it is soon, it is soon, praise the Lord for that, but it's really not going to be that soon. After all, with God, a thousand years is as a day, and so, sure, it is soon, but I don't think it's that soon, not in my lifetime soon. And I think maybe we hear it without a sense of urgency. Well, as we've been moving through the book of Revelation, I have been saying, and I am sure I will tell you this, that God is speaking to us. Since the very first message, all the way through this study, every week, I am sure God is speaking to us. He is speaking to me. He is speaking to you. He is speaking to us as his church. And as he has been speaking, he has been encouraging us, and he has been teaching us, and he has been preparing us. Some weeks he has been convicting us, but in all of that he has been calling us to be awake and to be urgent. And I think maybe the fruit of this study, if we have any or our ears open at all, is that we will finish this study and we will stand awake. We will stand with a sense of urgency. Today our message is entitled, The Sure and Soon Promise of God. The Sure and Soon Promise of God. We're in Revelation chapter 10. We're going to look at the entirety of the chapter. Uh, Revelation chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. The Sure and Soon Promise of God. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me, in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word, Revelation chapter 10, beginning in the first verse. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. 
And he cried out with a loud voice as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Then the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, lifted up his right hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished, as he preached to his servants the prophets. Then the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me and saying, Go, take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter. But in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we come rejoicing in you, our Savior, rejoicing in our our hope in Jesus, our anchor who holds. We come today and we rejoice, thanking you, praising you, worshiping you. Lord, I, I pray in this hour that you have been glorified. I pray that your name has been lifted up. I pray that that'll be the fruit of this hour. I pray now as we begin to study your word. Lord, I pray uh, asking you to move in our midst. Asking you, Lord, to speak through your word. As I know that you do, I pray that we will have ears to hear and hearts to respond. And I, I pray we'll have minds to understand. And I pray that it will bear fruit in us today. I, I pray that we would look more like you, that we'll be encouraged as your people today, that we would have a sense of urgency placed in us today. And I pray again uh, that you would take this and work through it. I pray for some and maybe many that will hear this today that do not know you. I pray in the hearing of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that in this very hour and this very day that they would turn to you and receive you in faith, that there would be no hindrance to that, and it would be for your great glory. Lord, we give you this hour. We trust it to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. To set the context, and I say that kind of lightly, as much as we can set the context, there is a lot of context right here, but to set the context, so far Jesus, the Lamb, has opened and revealed seven seals on the scroll that only he was worthy to open. So far he has opened the seventh, the final seal, which presented to us seven angels and seven trumpets. So far, moving along, we have had the blast and the announcement of six of those trumpets. And so where we stand today, where we stand this morning, Satan has opened the bottomless pit. Out of that pit, the Bible tells us a vast multitude of demons have been released. Now, not only that, four other demons have waged war, the Bible says, with an army of 200 million. Very plainly, it is a time of great 
unbearable, unprecedented suffering. And so as this occurs, there is much unprecedented, unbearable suffering on the earth. The Bible tells us that multitudes have died and the suffering is so great that those who live are crying out for the relief of death. Oh, that they could die, that they could escape the suffering that is going on. And yet, if you remember last week, the Bible says that even in that, that there are people that want to embrace their sin, that, that are so holding to their rebellion that they will not repent. Now, I still marvel at that. I think about the allure that sin must hold in our lives, that even in great suffering, we will not turn it loose. I want to go back and I want to read chapter 9, verses 20 and 21. Listen to this. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands so as not to worship demons and the idols of gold and of silver and of brass and of stone and of wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their immorality, nor of their theft. Imagine that, they held to their sin. Even in that great suffering, they would not repent. Well, that brings us to where we start today. We're going to start here in verse 10, starting in the first verse. God's Word says this. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. I want to read that verse again. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven, clothed with a, with a cloud, and the rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Now I want you to notice here as we move to the first verse here, where John had been in heaven, his position has now changed. He is again on the earth. And so where he was in heaven, seeing and witnessing the scene in heaven, he now has a position on the earth. He says, on the earth, he sees an angel now coming down out of heaven. Now John says, this angel was another strong angel. Now there are several that, that, that debate the, the, the identity of this angel. There are some that believe that it is Christ himself, that it is Jesus. Uh, I believe it's, it's clearly not Jesus. There are others that believe it could be an archangel. I believe that's uh, who this is. There's others that believe it's some other uh, leader of angels. Uh, but whatever it means, he is different from some other angels. He is a strong angel. Now it says here, he is clothed with a cloud. The rainbow was upon his head that his face is radiating, is glowing like the sun, and that his feet are pillars of fire. Now just understand, just picture this. This is an awesome sight. As John sees this, this for sure is an awesome sight. It for sure is an awesome angel. It is no doubt uh, an impressive, majestic angel as he descends. Now, I want to visit one thing right here. It says, on his head, uh, surrounding his head like a crown, is a rainbow. And so evidently, all the colors of the rainbow, they radiate around the head of this angel. 
Now, I will tell you, I think for sure this is deliberate, and I think it is very telling. And so the angel comes, and around his head is radiating all the colors of the rainbow. I think this is a very telling thing. In God's Word, it is called to us as a rainbow. Now, it could have said there are many colors radiating from his head. It said his, his face is like the sun. It could have said that, but in God's Word, it reports to us, uh, calls it to us as a rainbow. John recognizes it as such, and John reports it and records it as such. And so I want us to think for a second, remember the significance of the rainbow. If you go back to the account of Noah and the flood, and I will tell you the actual literal account of Noah and the flood, there we are introduced to the rainbow. Now, just for a second this morning, I want us to remember what it is. It is, the rainbow is, a reminder of God's judgment. The rainbow is a reminder of God's judgment. Every time we see it, if we remember the account, we remember God's hatred of sin. We remember the vileness and the evilness of man, and we see God's judgment of sin. I think it is a very silly thing, but today there are people and they take this symbol to represent their deviant sin. There are folks today and they have this symbol, they fly this symbol, and they celebrate their sin under the symbol of God's judgment. Remember, it is a reminder of the judgment of God. When you see a rainbow, it is a reminder of God's judgment. The second thing the rainbow is a sign of God's promise. The rainbow is a sign of God's promise. God tells us, if you go read that account, that when we see the sign, that we can be sure that he is faithful. We can be sure that he is trustworthy, and we can count on his promise to never destroy the earth again in that manner. He has given his word, he has given his promise, and we can count on that promise. It is a sign of God's promise. And so we have the rainbow is a reminder of God's judgment. The rainbow is a sign of God's promise, and it is a picture of God's grace. Now, I want you to think about that, and I want you to not forget that or miss that. We never see, we never, ever see God's judgment that there's not a way of salvation. Do you know that? You'll never find God's judgment that he is a God that judge. We'll judge. He carries out justice, but we never see God's judgment that there is not a way of salvation, that there is not a way to safety. Our God is gracious and he's merciful to sinners. And so isn't it telling and isn't it awesome that here as this account unfolds, we again see the rainbow. I saw another strong angel coming down out of heaven clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. Verse 2, and he had in his hand a little book which was open. He placed his right foot on the sea and his left on the land. Now, the book, in the original language, it was actually a scroll. And so in his hand, it says there is a little scroll. Now, this scroll, unlike the scroll that was told to us in chapter 5, it is already open. And so it is an open scroll. We're going to see in a minute that that scroll is held in 
his left hand. Uh, John reports here that his feet, the angel's feet, are placed, one of them on the sea and one of them on dry land. Understand this signifies the message is for all of the world. And he has the authority to carry the message to all of the world. It is not for some, but not for uh, some others. It is not for some select group, but not for some other group. It is a message that is for the entire world. And so he stands with one foot on the sea and one foot on dry land. Verse 3. And he cried out with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he had cried out, the seven peals of thunder uttered their voices. This angel in verse 3 cries out. Uh, it literally translates, he shouts. He shouts out. To describe it, John says it is like a lion's roar that pierces the silence. He roars out. He shouts out. The Bible says here, when he shouts, seven peals of thunder, seven claps of thunder, they also speak and each peal of thunder, each clap of thunder, has a discernible message. And so when the angel yells out, roars out, there are seven peals of thunder. And each peal of thunder has with it a discernible message. Verse 4. When the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken, and do not write them. Here in verse 4, John hears the messages. He is able to discern the, the seven messages that are heard coming from the seven peals of thunder. And as you would expect, he begins to record them. And so here he is. He sees the magnificent scene. He hears the seven messages, and he begins to record the messages. The Bible says, at that point, a voice from heaven says, seal up those messages. Do not reveal those messages in your record. Now, here's what I get from that. There are some that have tried to crack a code and try to figure out uh, what the seven pills, who the seven pills are, of thunder, what the seven messages are, and they're trying to piece that together. But I want to tell you, here's what I get from that that's described to us. God is gracious in his word in telling us what we need to know. And I'll just tell you that. I can start at the beginning. I can go all the way to the end. And I'll, I'll tell you, God is gracious in telling us what we need to know. But there are some things that aren't for us to know. Do you know that? And that's what I take away from that. There are some things that aren't for us to know. That may drive some folks crazy, especially in the study of this book. They want to know all of the pieces and all the things. Well, this just shows us there are some things that are not for us to know. For some reason, these things were for John to hear, but they're not for us. And so it says, seal them up. Do not record them in your record. Verse 4 again, when the seven peals of thunder had spoken, I was about to write. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven peals of thunder have spoken and do not write them. Verse 5, then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand 
to heaven. Now this awesome angel, the Bible says at this point, lifts up his right hand. I want you to think about that for just a second. Today, when we go to court, or today when we swear somebody in, we say, raise your right hand. Well, that's what's happening here. That is the picture here. He raises his right hand before heaven. Verse 6. And swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. In verse 6, he swears by God. Now, I want you to listen to this awesome description of our God. That's one of the things as we've moved through this study, we've seen some tremendous pictures of Christ, of Jesus. We've seen some marvelous pictures of our Father God. Well, here we see another description of our God. Who is our God? Listen to this. Who lives forever and ever. Now, we ought to say that more often. Who lives forever and ever. Who is our God? He is the eternal God. He is the God with no beginning. He is the God who has no source. He's also the God who has no ending. And, and not just that, it says, he who lives. And so understand, he is eternal. He has no start. He is eternal. He has no end. And he is ever living. He is living right now. Our God, understand, he is the ever living God. He is our living God. Now what that means is, He's not a God of stone. He's not a, sto a God that we have somehow created. He is the living God. He is active today. He, he reigns today. He goes on. Who created heaven and the things in it, and earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it. He swears by the creator God, the God who is wise and powerful and mighty in the event of creation. Now, I want, you to, I want you to think of something, and I want you to be sure of something. Today, we cannot unhinge the awesomeness of God, that magnificent glory of God, the marvelousness of God from his being the creator of all things. Now, listen, we need to drive that stake down. We, we cannot unhinge the marvelousness of God from the fact that he is the creator of all things. That cannot be separated. Listen to me. The world wants exactly that to happen. The world wants to say when it comes to matters of creation, listen, you believe whatever you want, believe something else. It doesn't add up with science, but you can have your religious belief over here. The world comes along and says that's silly, that's superstitious, it doesn't hold any weight. You separate it off and now the church is starting to say it's okay. That doesn't matter. It has no consequence to us. And there are churches today that are setting that aside. Listen to me. It's all the way through Scripture. You cannot separate the awesomeness of God, the magnificence of God, from His being our Creator God. He's the Creator God. And so the angel swears. Now here's what he swears. That there will be delay no longer. He swears there will be delay no longer. He swears it is coming. He swears the plan of God is moving forward and swearing by God himself, he says there will be 
No longer any hesitation, no longer any delay. I want to read verse 7 with that. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the mystery of God is finished as he preached to his servants the prophets. Now I want you to understand what he is saying is not that the end is right then. It is not immediate, but it is when the seventh trumpet sounds. And so he says here, then the mystery of God will be finished. The mystery of God as preached by the prophets will be made known. In the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Micah, Daniel, Ezekiel, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Zechariah, others all preached about, all talked about this mystery. Now the mystery was, how will all of this end? When will God finally judge sin and set things right? When is the day of the Lord coming? That was the great mystery. In the New Testament, the question becomes, why hasn't he come back? It's the question, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? When will you come in your glory? How will we know that you're coming? The angel stands and he declares to all the earth, as sure as our God is eternal, and as sure as he is creator, powerful over all things, the day is coming and you can count on it, the mystery will be known. Listen to me, the one who was faithful at the start will be found faithful at the end. The one who is responsible for creation will be responsible for its culmination. And friends, you can take it to the bank. He is not moved. He has not changed. And the promise is not slow. Listen to me. The promise is sure. Friends, listen to me. That's the promise of God. That is the truth of God. That is the timetable of God. I believe the next prophesied event. Here we are in the book of prophecy. Let me tell you this. I believe the next prophesied event is the rapture of the church. And I believe that is plain in scripture. I believe that is our blessed hope. I believe that is our blessed assurance. Uh, I, I believe the next prophesied event is the rapture of the church. Now let me just tell you this. There are some that disagree with that. I don't know why, but in our age, it's becoming more and more popular to disagree with that. There are entire groups that are moving away from that. Let me just tell you, they are wrong in their doing that. And I, I believe, let me tell you what I believe. I believe, you can go look up First Thessalonians chapter 4. I believe here's the next thing prophesied to happen. And there's going to be the blast of a trumpet. And when there's the blast of a trumpet, there's going to be the voice of an archangel, a shadow of an archangel, the Bible says, and Jesus is going to come on that day with those who have died in Christ. And I believe it says that the truth is that Christ will call us that are alive here on the earth and we will be caught up together with them in the air. I believe that's what the Bible teaches. And together the Bible says we shall be with the Lord. And the Bible says in that account we are to comfort one another with those words. I believe the next event that was prophesied for us as the church is there's going to be a trumpet and there's going to be a shout and there's going to be the coming of glory with Jesus and all of the saints of old. And then we are going to be drawn up with them together with them in the air. And did you know this? Listen very carefully. And did you know this? 
nothing, there is nothing that is left to be done before that happens. Do you know that? Well, we're waiting on some things. No, we're not. There is nothing that is yet to be fulfilled before that happens. Listen to me. Are you listening? There is no reason. It cannot be in this very instant. There's nothing left to accomplish. There's nothing left that has to be undone. It can be in this very instant. It can be this very afternoon. And the angel says, this is the timeline of God. And he says, and it is sure, and it is soon. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you believe it? Well, I don't know about that. Have we been believing that a long time? I don't know about that. Hadn't a lot of time already passed. Do you believe it? Listen to me, friend. Are you awake? Are you urgent? Is that how you live? Is that how you're ordering your life? Is that how you're prioritizing your life? Listen to me. In this instant, it could happen. Do we believe it? From here in the 10th chapter, there is a sort of recommissioning of John. Now, Things have been terrible, but it's not like it's going to be. It's going to be worse than this. The worst is still coming. And so I don't, I don't know. There's, a, there's kind of an interlude right here. And I don't know, maybe in the face of the terrible things that are coming, there needs to be a recommissioning of John. But that's what we find here. There is a sort of recommissioning of John. Let's go back to verse 8. Then the voice which I heard from heaven I heard again speaking with me, talking to him, and saying, Go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. Then the voice which I, heard, which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with me, and saying, Go take the book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. Verse 9. So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book, the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. Put it in your mouth, put, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. The command from heaven to John is, take this little scroll and eat it. Now what that means is digest it. Take it in. Take the little scroll. Consume it. And when you do, it'll make your stomach bitter. In the original language, that, that word means stark. There'll be a pain, a starkness in your stomach. It'll be bitter in your stomach. And it will be sweet as honey to your mouth. Now, I want to say this, and I think I need to say this, especially in the days that we're living in right now. Any prophet of the Word of God Today, any God-called preacher of the Word of God must first consume it and bear its impact before they can credibly declare it. What that means is they have to take in the Word of God, and it has to bear impact in them, and they have to be shaped by it before they can ever have any, have any credibility 
and declaring it. That is God's pattern. That's what we see here. The Bible for the preacher of God, it's not just the subject that is to be heralded. It is the substance that is to be consumed. Now what that means is it has to be lived out in the life of its messengers. If there's any credibility to it, it has to be lived out in the life of its messengers. Let me tell you something. Today we have a whole lot of folks that are filling the role that are standing in pulpits, that are teaching in groups, but they're not changed by the words that they preach. And that's not the pattern we see right here. Verse 9, So I went to the angel, telling him to give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it, eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. Verse 10, I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And in my mouth it was sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. What does this mean? Stay with me. I think this is a picture, and I think it is the picture of the gospel. And I think it is a picture of a God of justice and judgment and a God of mercy and grace that are expressed in the same God. You see, the gospel is preached with great hope and joy, but it's also preached with somber sadness. The gospel is preached with wild urgency, but it's also preached with a fearful dread. And when it is preached, I will testify to you, listen to me, when I preach it, I rejoice as if it's honey in my mouth, I want to tell you there's nothing better than to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you it's an awesome thing to come and say, listen to me, friend, I don't care how bad this world gets, there is good news. And I want to tell you, friend, God loves you, and I don't have to bobble around to tell you that. God loves you, and I rejoice to tell you that. I want to tell you God wants you no matter what your sin is. He wants you in fellowship with him. doesn't matter how deep your sin is, and I can't wait to tell you that. And I preach that. That with ecstasy. Be saved. Turn to Jesus. He'll forgive you. He'll restore you. There is good news. And it's sweet to preach the gospel. Oh, that I would preach it again and again that we would. But at the same time, the gospel is a dividing line. And those who won't have it, and those who won't surrender their arrogance, and those who make light of it and those who reject it, they do so to their own demise. And in their rejection, they seal their own doom. The Bible says they will perish. They are lost for all eternity. And I want to tell you, it burns in your stomach. Oh, that they would listen. Oh, that they would hear. God's grace is offered to them. Oh, that they would hear it. And it burns in your stomach as they reject it. And as John is recommissioned, he will speak of God's judgment. Can you imagine carrying this news? He will speak of God's terrible judgment and it will burn in his stomach as he does it. And at the same time, he will speak in the grace of God. He'll do it because of the love of God. And just like that rainbow, there is judgment to see. Yes, he'll tell the news of it. 
Just like in that rainbow, God's promise to judge, it will stand. But God's promise to save, it will also shine. And in all of it, God's mercy is known. His grace is known. We have an ark. His name is Jesus. And it's honey to his mouth. Verse 11. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. You have to tell them, John. You have to tell them, John, there's a judgment coming. You have to tell them, John. It's going to be tremendous, terrible. You have to tell them, John. To do so in the grace of God, the kindness of a Savior that would yet save them. You tell them, John, today the end is near. Friends, I want to tell you on the authority of God's word, his grace is too. And that is the good news of our gospel. The end is near. And God's judgment is coming. I want to tell you that's biblical. And I want to tell you the good news of our risen Savior Jesus, his grace is near as well. If you'll turn to him today, he'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. He'll restore you today. His grace is near. His grace is near. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come and I rejoice that there is good news. I rejoice that there's a hope and it's a real hope. I, I rejoice there's the forgiveness of our sin and the finished work of Calvary. I rejoice that it's been paid, settled there, paid in full. I rejoice of no work of my own that I might muster up. I'm not able to. The grace of God, if I'll trust you in faith, if I'll receive you in faith, I am saved and anyone else likewise. Lord, we rejoice in that. I pray in hearing that today that we've been encouraged. I pray in hearing that today that some are turning, some are ready to turn. Doing so, they're saved. Then, Lord, I come and I also know that you've told us also in grace and mercy that there's coming a day of judgment. There's coming a day when your anger towards sin will be trampled out. It will spill down and it'll be a terrible day. Lord, I pray in this day when your grace is so near, I pray that we will turn and we will receive your grace. I pray, Lord, for us that have received it, that we'd be agents, ambassadors of your grace that we'd share this good news with every person, lost, hurting, and suffering around us. Lord, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close this morning with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the good news of today is this. We've heard the warning. We're hearing the warning. But the good news of today is this. If you'll trust Jesus, he'll save you. The good news of the gospel is this. If you've trusted Jesus, he has saved you. And your record's wiped clean and your shame is carried far away if you've trusted Jesus. That's the good news of our gospel. Maybe you're here today and you've never heard that. Maybe you're here today and you've heard it but you've never understood it. Maybe you're here today and you've fought it in arrogant pride. Maybe you're here today and you say, today is the day I turn to Jesus. And I receive him as my Lord and my Savior. Maybe if that's the day, you come in a moment, we'll tell the church your decision. Maybe you need more information, you come, we'll settle it with God's word today. You come, we'll take care of that today. Maybe you're here and you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it. You believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll, we'll link arms and we'll preach this gospel. We'll proclaim his glory until he comes back and gets us. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're here and you follow Christ but you've never followed a believer's baptism. 
You need to come today and say, well, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I've trusted Christ. But I need that testimony to stand in my life. You come. We'll set a day. It'll be a great day of testimony pointing to the, the Savior and the gospel that we hold dear. Maybe you're here today and you want to just come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. No, nothing's too big. Nothing is too small. His grace is offered to all. As we stand and sing, if God is speaking to you, if he's spoken to you, uh, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. You come on. I'll meet you here.